Have you ever wanted to get involved in real estate development but didn't know where to begin? Do you think real estate development is only for the large hedge funds or major corporations, you know, the big guys? Or have you done some development in the past and are looking to scale up? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Wired Wealth and Real Estate Development Podcast. I am your host, Nick Smith. Get ready to have your mind blown and rewired as we discuss all aspects of creating wealth and real estate development. Good morning, everyone. This is Nick Smith. I am the host of the Wired Podcast, Wealth and Real Estate Development, where we talk all things wealth and communities, wealthy families, and wealthy individuals through real estate. I am here on site. If you've been following the show or if you're watching this via YouTube, you, you could probably see the surroundings are a little different. I'm actually here on site today at the Gate Church in Hammond, Indiana with Jay Calloway, who is the senior pastor of the Gate Church and also founder and president of Intermission, which is a nonprofit organization here in Northwest Indiana that we are definitely going to, to touch on. Want to wish everybody a happy new year, happy 24. Those that are watching, this is actually my first taping of 2024. So definitely want to wish everybody a happy and blessed 2024. But Guys, Calloway, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. And Nick, can I just say, what a wonderful uh, honor it is to be here. I've been looking forward to this ever since you reached out and said, hey, you want to go and have a conversation? And so we're really excited about being here today and really looking forward to what's going to happen in 2024 in the housing market and how uh, housing and development can enhance a community, all of that. So yeah, we're excited. So thank you for awesome. letting me be a part of this. Awesome. No, it's truly my pleasure. And thank you for allowing me to use your home, for lack of better words, to say your house. You know, this is God's house, but <laughs> thank you for allowing me to use your facilities and come chat with you and visit oh, with you. Well, it's an honor. If you can, yeah. uh, briefly give us the cliff note versions of, of, of your background, where you're from, how you right. ended up here, and uh, kind of what you're up to right now. Yeah, well, you know what? This week, we are celebrating 35 years of being here Wow! this week. And so uh, my wife and I, we came right out of college. We had two kids, and we came up where, here. Where are you originally from? Uh, Springfield, Missouri. Okay. And my when I did my undergrad, we came out, and I graduated early. And so we came up here on an invitation of the pastor. Okay. And, of course... I kind of hesitate to share this part because it shows my my illiteracy of geography, but I really had a heart to be in the Chicagoland area, and I receive a call right at the beginning of January of 89 saying, hey, I hear you'd like to be in, in Chicagoland. And, he's, and I said, yeah. And he goes, how'd you like to come to Hammond, Indiana? <laughs> and my next question was, what does that have to do with Chicago? <laughs> but anyway... So needless to say, 35 years later, we had one other child. We have three kids. They're all three married. And now we are on our 10th grandchild. Wow. And so it's been an incredible, incredible life of which every morning my wife and I wake up, we feel like we're starting brand new, just seeing what, what new adventure we can be a part of. And so that's, that's really how it started as the, we were student ministry or youth director slash associate. We kind of just did whatever needed to be done in the church. And then about three years after we had been uh, here, we became the lead ministers of the church. Wow. And 
And then and that began a, a road that was so exciting for each one of us, my wife and I, because we really started seeing what a church could do to impact the community. Mm-hmm. Not just meet on a Sunday or a Wednesday or get a bunch of people in a room, but kind of treat the room as a locker room right. to right. Uh, inspire, encourage, and then the rest of the week we we're, you know, on the field, if you would. You know, I'm a big football fan, and so, you know, kind of getting on the field with the practice field, training and doing things. And then when it came time to get out there and do some stuff, we did. And it just happened in a unique way that housing became a very important part of, of our whole idea of how are we going to impact. And so that's a good portion of that is how Intermission, our nonprofits, was started and, and all of that. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Now, how long has intermission actually been established? And just for listeners, viewers, we're not saying intermission. This is intermission. Intermission. So, I-N-N-E-R, mission. Yes. Intermission. Yes. So, uh, it's interesting because when you when you ask how, when it started, the first, the very first thing that intermission was, was our youth group. When I was, before we even moved here, we were dreaming about being a youth pastor and all of that and, and came across this name and it became our our youth group name, but then when we became pastors, we brought in other youth youth ministers, and things began to transpire. And but I just felt like there was something more for that name, intermission. And through the course of that, in 1994, I think it was, the mayor of Hammond came and talked to us and said, "Hey, we're we're needing some help." And we'd expressed interest in helping, and we'd had a soup kitchen and some different community things that would help people. And so we, um, we, we listened to him. We had breakfast together, and he just explained some things. And immediately, he says, do you have an ability to accept grants and things like that? And so through the course of that, we, we developed the 501c3 called an inner mission with the idea of you first have to work on the inner man before you can ever go out and be a mission to those that are outside of you. And that's kind of what the whole idea of intermission was and still is today. And so we started it. We started it with working with people in in any realm to helping them be, see their uh, vision become reality. Gotcha. And through the course of that, it's begun to transpire that now our whole concept of intermission that started there in, in 95 is when we started the whole endeavor that now has come to where it's become that we're taking a person from surviving to thriving. Surviving to thrive. Yeah. And so any any tool, any program, any ministry, any relationship, anything that we could ever see to use to take a person from a surviving thing, whether it's a food program, an education program, whatever it can possibly be, we look at it and we say, will this help? Will this take a person that's just just barely surviving, whether it's in their education or surviving in maybe not knowing where their next meal is going to come from, where they're, where they're going to sleep, you know, they got a place to sleep tonight, but where is it going to be tomorrow? Whatever the case might be, we say, okay, we can use that and, and make it from surviving to thriving and becoming a functioning person, a good functioning person that can help others in the community. Gotcha. And taking a person from surviving to thriving, from your experiences working with intermission or just being involved in ministry, period, 
How important and how critical is the housing component? Of you know, I would say it's it's foundational. It is very foundational. In fact, in, in Scripture, Jesus talks about the where there were moments in time where Jesus, he was even homeless, mm-hmm. where he, it says there, the Son of Man did not have a place to lay his head. Then he talks about how you, that we should not worry about anything because God will provide things, but he lists the things that he will provide, and one of them is shelter and housing. And... And so one, those are areas that I feel like it's so important because if you ever look at, I think it's Maslow's hierarchy of need, and he talks one of the things that he can do is if you get a person that is not worried about their food, if they're not worried about uh, their shelter, if they're not worried about certain things, then they can move into another level. But if you have a person that's constantly worried, it, it, it's just a survival mode. They get into survival mechanisms. And so one of the things that we did is, is early on is realize this is something that is key and crucial. And it happened in a moment for me that it was an experience. Where we're sitting here has is, is been the location of our church for 113 years now. Wow. And we've been on the same street and in this. And this is the same building that we're in right now is where I was the, the youth pastor and all of that. There was a very unique experience that I had early on. It was within, I, I, mean, I was 23 years old, and, wow. and it was within, within a month of me moving here. And I'm sitting in my office, and I receive a call from the city. And they asked if I would be willing to help out with neighborhood clean. And, and said, with me being the youth pastor and stuff like that. And I said, sure, I, you know, I'm the kind of person that, you know, you throw a... You put a package of hot dogs with a grill, and you can make anything a party, including a cleanup. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> with a group of young people. So we did. Well, the land that they were talking about ended up being the land that circumferenced our, our facility. And it was a defunct railroad station and a defunct housing project, all of these kinds of things. Hmm. And so I jumped the fence and started walking around and found that there was roads back in the area and and everything else. And I jump up on a tree, a fallen tree that I was going in and, and just to look at all the land and everything. And I've always been one that likes to, you know, just, I go into abandoned buildings, you know, I go into, I go into woods that have no trails, you know, and so I just, I just love it. And so I ended up going in and when I jumped up on this tree, I thought everything was looking, it looked like it was just a full dead tree on that. But when I took the next step, I fell through the one of the branches, and I landed in. And when I landed down on the ground, I looked up, and there was a man standing sitting there. And I thought to myself, I, I'm this hasn't ha- I haven't been in this kind of environment at all. And I thought I was dead. And at that moment, he backs up, and he I startled him, and he startled me, and we both back up, and I look up, and he immediately looks down. And Nick, at that moment, I learned a lesson there. He was homeless, and that was his home. Hmm. And he was living not even 100 yards from the church that I'm sitting in, talking to people about somebody that wants to give them hope and salvation, meaning Jesus. And I was, I, I was stunned. This is where he lives. Hmm. And, but what, what more shook me is the look on his face. And it wasn't he was coming after me or mad that he found I found him or anything else. It was shame. It was embarrassment. It was something that he was not proud. There was no there was no pride in the good sense of being proud of what he's accomplished or anything else. 
And at that moment, I realized that we need, I need to do something. I immediately jumped up and I, I got out of there and I apologized and I walked. And it moved me so much, I sat down on the, on the, on the curb there and, and really just wept and, and thought, God, what, what am I doing here? What is going on? And from that moment on, I realized that if we can provide, if I can provide housing for people, then there's a way I can actually provide thriving for people, not just surviving, but thriving. And it's a tool. And so to me, housing became and, and developing and um, homes and everything else became simply a tool for us to begin to use, to open up the door for people to move from a surviving, a hopeless, a shameful, whatever the case might be in their place to where we could speak into their lives and become, so, and, and become a partner with them to bring them from a place of surviving to thriving, to bring them from just a crowd, a person in the crowd to somebody who would be a core of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, I've heard you tell that story a few times before. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, every time I hear it, it never gets old to me. I love <laughs> yeah. it. It, it, it. And it shows really how we can be so close yet so disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that still moves me in, in a great way because I never want to move. I never want to get away from that moment. Yeah. I never want to get so far away from that moment as, as we've talked before. And now that place, that place we, we were able to acquire that property and we've acquired most of the property all around us to the level that now there is a, you know, a three or four story elderly home, senior living complex there. The, the place where we're around, we've, we've built townhomes and villas and helped people get into home ownership. But I never want to get away from that moment of realizing that where I was sitting, studying my messages and trying to do something as a church, there was somebody not even a hundred yards away that was living in the fork of a tree because he was homeless. It was a defining moment. It was, yo, it's, and, 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 and it's one of those moments where I feel like a lot of times in the Bible we talk, you see those moments of marker moments where you, you, you know, that Joshua, was it, was it Joshua that puts um, the, the stones down after they leave and says, you need to mark this place because your kids are going to come and ask you, what is this for? And it's, it was the moment that God says, you need to mark this because you've never gone this way before. And that's, that's what it was for me. I always wanted to ask you this in response to that story. Have you ever run into that man? I have been? not. I have not from that. I, well, I say that, but you know, your vision is a little, is a little shaky when you jump it, when you dive it or fall into a man's home <laughs> that I, I'm not really sure if I ever have or not, but I don't think so. At least he hasn't come up to me and said, hey, you were in my living room a few weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, no. Awesome. Wow. So I know with intermission, the mission of taking people from surviving to thriving, we talked about, you know, the housing uh, component of but you all have actually uh, delved into the realm of, I believe you have like a domestic violence shelter or, or some we shelter do. in the area. Yeah. So, so what we realized early on was, is that just you know, going, taking a person from surviving to thriving doesn't mean you just pull, you know, say pull that gentleman or pull somebody that's living on the street or basically is on the street. You know, even if they have a couch or a bed they're living in, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a home that, that they can call home type of thing. And so we learned early on 
that that's a process. It is a process of of walking, you know, a person through that that is going to have to build a relationship. So it's not just event based type of things where we, you know, bring in hundreds of people and feed them on a day or or whatever, and then send them on their way, but to actually build relationship with them. And so we started building partnerships, and now we have we have everything from a ninety day shelter person, people that are homeless that they're able to come in, and that goes into like a six month to almost a 12 month. And then we bring in the idea of helping them get into different places. We help them take care of their, you know, furnishing their apartments. And then we partner with different organizations, whether it's like you said, domestic violence or somebody that they're, they get kicked out of their apartment and then they can walk in there young. Uh, we're finding a great need for, for housing and shelters for single moms, especially the young ones. You know, we've got girls that are 16, 17, 18 years old, up into 20s, in their early 20s, that, that either they've just found themselves pregnant or they are having, they've got a baby and they have nowhere to go. You know, the mom, you know, says, hey, there's no room for you and a baby here too, so you're out, or whatever the case might be. And so there's all different kinds of, of survival that that you come into but they all start at a place where a lot of it life skills aren't there so we have an entire program called thrive that we've just established that takes it helps walk people through on an educational level and so yeah so there's the the shelters the and then transitional housing all the way through so but housing is a huge part it's a big it's a big big part wow you touched on the development, of course, that was surrounding or the land that surrounded mm-hmm. the church that, that you did some exploring and yeah. and walking around. Kind of take me from what that development looked like when or that land looked like when you came yeah. to where it is right now. What was there when you first arrived right. in there? What does it look like right now? So when I first arrived in there, there was streets and um, burnt out cars and tires and wow. um, just all kinds of junk. In fact, it's a junkyard. That, it was junkyard. And that was what the city, that's how I found it is the city first called and just said, hey, this is what I, this is what we need you to do is we need you to help. You know, if you could just take all the junk and all the things that are in that, in the wooded area, it's a, it was a 55 acre piece of property Wow. that at one point in the early thirties, I think it was even maybe earlier than that, it was the train, it was the a turn station for the trains that would come in to bring coal into downtown Hammond. Mm. And they would dump their coal down onto the big turntable. It was down under underground. And then the coal cars would take coal in the, in the tunnels underneath to all of the major buildings in in Hammond and they say those tunnels are still there I haven't found them <laughs> you know I haven't gone exploring or spelunking or whatever you call that but so so it was that and then several decades later they attempted to build another housing component in a neighborhood and that did not turn out it didn't it didn't happen but the streets infrastructure that kind of stuff was there so through the course of that, I really, I got a vision and of what that facility or what that land could be. And so it was all woods. It was just trails through that. Kids would be going back in there. Of course, we're right by the high school and the, mm-hmm. the former junior high there. All of those things were all right there. 
So we ended up, we ended up, I'll end up walking around that and walking around it and walking around it and just asking God to give it to us. And through the course of that, the city actually worked a partnership out with a developer and they took it on and they asked us, do you have a nonprofit organization? And again, that's when we had intermission and we said, yeah. And they said, well, we need with the way we're building it and being a part of the community and some of the different section 42 and all of that. I don't want to get too much in the weeds. We all go, you know, our eyes will go back and roll in our uh, heads or our will glaze over. But it, there were different ways that they were building it, that they needed a nonprofit organization to partner. So what was really interesting is so many times, one of the things I found out early on is that when I have an idea or a thought, I, I immediately think I'm going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, I was just, I was just one of the catalysts to be a part of it. I had the nonprofit or the vision component of it. And the other group, they, the development, they, they had the know-how to make this all happen and the financial backing to do it. And so we partnered together and we started out. And one of the very first things we started was a daycare in the, in the clubhouse. And there was, you know, now, now there's 284 apartment units there, two and three bedroom called Douglas Point. Mm -hmm. And um, they started building the townhomes that are there and now that we own and we've acquired and as well as now we've taken and built on more yeah, villa units and and now getting ready to build another 19 more there and then expand out into other areas of the community gotcha Through the course of that week, they finally had to move that whole thing over to the camp, college campus near us because there were so many people. They estimated anywhere from twenty to 30,000 people wanted to come in because Section 8 hadn't been opened up in so long that they did not have any resources to be able to get any kind of housing. And that's what was, and immediately I just heard inside of me, there's your well. It was the housing. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please share this content with someone else who would benefit from it. I'm looking forward to having you with me on the next episode. Now go out and create some wealth and real estate development.